to the What's Your One More podcast. Today, I am joined with a very special guest. As you know, we often have crypto traders on the show, but today, not only do we have someone that trades in crypto, we have someone that actually has written code on a platform. I'm very excited to talk to Mr. Eric McDonald, who is the CEO and board chairman of CoinLine, a cryptocurrency auto trading platform that makes it super simple for anyone to invest in crypto. This group has executed over 530,000 trades, and they're worth over a billion dollars and have made investors over $4 million in profit. You know, many people are interested in investing in cryptocurrencies, but oftentimes they're just afraid to do it because they just don't really understand the complexity of it or the crypto market or where to even begin. By allowing users to sign up to their platform, it automatically trades cryptocurrencies for them 24-7, 365. CoinLine, unlike its competitors, offers a solution to this problem. The platform allows users to copy expert traders and their strategies with a click of a button. I am so excited to hear about this today. And before we get started into this, the thing that I learned earlier on here about Eric is that Eric has written codes for healthcare tech. And inside of such, he sold this out of the basement of his house for a billion dollars in the last year. Now, when I hear that, I immediately gravitate towards it. Eric, welcome to the show today. I'm so excited for this one. I'm ready to hear more about your journey. And let's kick it off with the healthcare tech and the codes and everything you wrote for that, that led to this amazing success to where you are right now. Well, uh, thanks for having me on, Quentin. It's good to be here. Great yeah, to have so, you. Yeah, my prior life, you know, I spent, you know, two decades, which is kind of weird to say that, but then I am in one company, uh, originally, it was called DocuTap, and um, we ended up buying one of our largest competitors, rebranding. It's, it's now called Experity Health. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I started this company probably two years out of college, wrote all the original source code in my basement, um, and it was one of these things where, you know, day one, you're like, oh, I'll have a company in six months. Uh, we're going to be, you know, build this thing overnight. And you know, it took 22 years, uh, and ultimately sold it for 1.25 billion. That's incredible. Uh, congratulations! I mean, that's absolutely incredible. So you, you obviously you have a technical background at this point. You know, did that lead you to cryptocurrency? Yeah. That technical background is that kind of what led you into this platform trade? What what made you gravitate towards that? Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, I do have a technical background. You know, building building. My last company, though, spending 22 years building that, I, I ended up recognizing the importance of leadership and strategy. And so while I do have a deep technical background, it's married really well with uh, executing on great idea. And so when I first heard uh, about CoinLine, so CoinLine was started by uh, three individuals that I actually didn't know. Uh, and... Somebody introduced me and I was kind of like, oh man, these crypto things, that's just for the weirdos. <laughs> uh, but I never, yeah, I never really dug into this thing. And so uh, in 2019, uh, my prior company, we bought our largest competitor, merged the two together. Okay. And that's my step down at CEO. Uh, and so I'd been 19 years in, I still sat on the board of directors, but I stepped out as CEO and I was looking for that next thing. And, um, and so came across, somebody introduced me to the coin line guys and they were kind of fumbling around. They're like, Hey, we want to be this exchange. And, um, and so, yeah, my technical aptitude, uh, really, you know, got me intrigued by the underlying blockchain technology. Now, were you, to, and then it, sorry to yeah. interrupt, but were you trading prior to 
were you in crypto market at nope. all at this point? No, zero, okay. gotcha. none whatsoever. Yep. Um, and so it, it really intrigued me. And then you know, I think that one of the things that I'm good at doing uh, over the years, like it's very, very rare that anything I've executed on was ever my idea. It just it, it 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 hasn't been. One of the things that I think that I'm really good at doing is recognizing I could sit down with 10 people and and they all have great ideas and I'm good at saying, nope, this is the one that we should execute on. And, and so rarely uh, are they my ideas. They're not, mm -hmm. they're somebody else's. And so um, I spent a little bit of time with these guys and realized, all right, they're truly something kind of below the surface here. And what I did is I spent some time going, hey, I love the idea of this exchange. I think we need to, to pivot on the idea and find a niche within crypto, a niche within even this exchange. I, I don't know that you're going to want to go up against Coinbase and Binance and, you know, I hate to say it, FTX, but right. um, I, find a niche. And, you know, when I talk about my prior company, it sold for $1.25 That was just a niche within healthcare. It was one of the smallest niches within the, the healthcare ecosystem. Yet I was able to find this way to really build value. And uh, and so that's what we ended up doing at CoinLion. And with time, they're like, hey, how about you step in as CEO and just run this thing? And so that's what I've been doing since 2019. Well, I mean, congratulations, especially on being able to kind of take the room, hear the audience and say, listen, this is where the idea works. Um, that is a special kind of leadership because oftentimes I think people try to tackle all that stuff at once and usually miss the mark, you know, and get caught yep. up in so pulled so many different directions. So when did you, do you currently trade? I'm still curious. How did you get yeah. into crypto? Like what was, like, do you trade or are you just, hey, listen, I'm, I liked these three guys. I mean, what was it? Yeah, you know what it was, you know, part of understanding the the you know the ecosystem within crypto meant go explore different platforms. Okay, and and there was a couple things that kind of resonated with me. One is how ridiculously hard <laughs> it is to figure out how to trade in this crypto space. Like the the UI, the the user experience, the user interface is just horrible. Correct. Or at least it, it was in twenty nineteen. And I'm like, man, what, what, how is anybody going to figure this out? And so, you know, the one thing I really wanted to tackle was just making this stupid symbol. So okay. if you go to our website, coinline.com, you're going to see, Hey, we're trying to just make this literally stupid simple, uh, which also means we're not trying to do everything in the sun. Like some of these exchanges have, you know, 200 to 300 different tokens mm -hmm. and, and it's laid out in a way that's super hard and confusing. And our goal is, hey, let's focus on a certain group. And so our target audience, honestly, is individuals that have, you know, twenty-five to a hundred thousand dollars of additional liquid capital that they want to put to work. Okay. So we're not chasing after your college kid <laughs> that's scraping <laughs> together like two nickels, and they're like, right. hey, I want to get into trading, right? Um, and that audience, they just want it simple. Hey, I want to put fifty grand into some crypto, and I want to make sure that I've got some downside protection. And I want this just to be super simple. Now, would you say, would you say inside of that thought process, there's a group of, uh, you know, investment strategies. Would you call those advisors, like essentially that are, you're copying someone else's investment strategy or following that? Is that kind of the concept? Uh, that is, you know, that's, that's where we're at today. Mm -hmm. it, at, as I was just getting into, into trading in 2019, 
that isn't necessarily where we started. Gotcha. Uh, but that's that's where we are today. Is this idea of following somebody else that does all kinds of uh, sophisticated trading? So bear with me a second. Let me tell the story of how I got into this. As I'm exploring these different platforms, I realized how much volatility is happening within a, a, any given day. You know, two percent, five percent swing, sometimes ten percent swing. And so, in my deep doubt, and I'm like, hey, I bet I could write some Python scripts that are basically going to do bot trading for me. Like I'm going to write the bot, it's going to buy itself for me. And I started spending my time in that world. And that's what I brought back to the coin line guys. And mm. I said, hey, I think this needs to be our niche where we do automated trading. You're, we're constantly kind of buying and selling throughout the day, looking for these swings. And then that's when we inserted the um, uh, the idea of having people follow you because I knew that most users are not going to know how to like configure a script, write algorithms, like none of that stuff. Right. And so we really have two target audiences. We have one that is that sophisticated trader, could be a college kid, mm-hmm. okay, that has two nickels, but we also have these individuals that are going to follow that sophisticated trader. And so in, in late 2019, we, I should say early 2019, we started putting that together, got it live in late 2019. And that's the path we've been on. Uh, no, I love it. So let's take a minute here. I kind of want to uh, throw some things at you here. So when I look at some of these trading platforms, in my experience and other users' experiences, they seem to go down a lot at just the perfect times. Uh, there seems to be uh, server upgrades, volatility. You know, ha- do you do you sense that some of these platforms potentially, and this is a strong strong accusation, but do you do you sense some of these potential uh, platforms don't necessarily either a have the coins they're selling? They're selling, you know, blue sky. And they're leveraging and hedging that. And then when the market makes volatile swings, a lot of server maintenance upgrades take place or, you know, the the system maintenance has to happen or they're just servers crash in order to protect what they're selling and what they don't have. You know, I, I honestly think it's, it's a number of factors. It's, it's more than one. Okay. Okay. And so we're a young company and as a young company, you're going to have some technical challenges. You just, you are, Mm -hmm. we don't have those technical challenges. Okay. Right. And so I'm like, come on, really? Now, here's what I do know is that there are times where our server will get super loaded if we're like running really, really, really heavy tests. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so is there a chance that's when the market's swinging and everybody's supposed to be liquidating their position that their services, those microservices on their servers crash? That could happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, do I think it's, it's, uh, it happens sporadically? Yeah. Do I also believe there's times where they're like, no, press the stop button. Correct. Don't let anybody liquidate. Don't leave these positions. Uh, yes, I also think that happens. Do I also believe that some of these exchanges have over leveraged, uh, any of their assets or their, their customers' assets? Mm-hmm. Yes, they have. Uh, do I also believe that in some scenarios they don't have the tokens that they should have? Yeah, I do believe that's the case. And so, um, Coin Lion, we we have 
like there's one thing that I think is common in all of those scenarios. Mm-hmm. It's either, and, and I honestly think it's greed. Sure. And, you know, if you take crypto out and, and insert some other new technology, greed's still going to be there. Okay. Grab the banking system. You're going to find greed, mm-hmm. right? Like anytime that there's a massive fraudulent issue, greed is that underlying kind of item behind that. For me personally, I've realized the value of building a business that truly has value behind it. And you do everything, you play everything by the book, okay? So we keep a one-to-one ratio on all of our assets. We always have, always will. We have never, like literally never, taken any of our customer funds and lent them out. Mm -hmm. We've never used them to actually, like we've never taken our customers' assets that potentially don't move we don't stake them to make profits. We just, we haven't. You know, um, if you don't mind, we back yeah. up and explain to the audience what staking means. I was getting ready to ask you that, but you jumped right into it. They're leveraging the assets of someone else to stake future earnings or, or coins that are out there. Yeah. I mean, think of it like a CD, right? The idea of you go to your bank and you're like, hey, I've got my US dollars and I'm, I'm not going to touch them. I commit to you. I'm going to put them in this CD and you're going to make a little bit of money. Uh, as as a consumer from that CD, the bank isn't just leaving those in a CD. They're taking those mm-hmm. and they're then going to leverage those. And they will make money and then they'll give you a little bit of that money. And so, Correct. you know, crypto is kind of the same thing, except it's being done on the blockchain. Uh, and, and they're most likely taking and lending that out or... They are leveraging those tokens like in a uh, proof of staking concept where they're mm-hmm. they're actually able to get compensated. Uh, but but essentially it's like, hey, I'm going to give you, not give you, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave these Ethereum tokens in one spot. I'm not gonna touch them, I'm gonna leave them there. It, like you would a CD, and you're gonna get compensated for it. Now, if I know as a business. I've got, you know, 2,000 Ethereum, 5,000 Ethereum that aren't moving at any point in time. Greed would tell me, hey, listen, just go take those and stake them. Right. Start making some profits. And you know what? If, if we have to, we'll find some other Ethereum. We'll take bobs and give them bobs or something. And that's what a lot of these groups are doing because they're being driven by greed. Sure. And you know what I mean? You mentioned FTX earlier. We did a whole whole episode on that, uh, not to get into it, but uh, absolutely. And what you're kind of describing is what's happening across the platforms there. And I, I'm, I appreciate you kind of so eloquently describing staking and relating it to the banking system because essentially deposits are staked as well, just in the form of lending out for yep. mortgages or, you know, whether you're buying long-term treasuries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The major difference I see right now in the crypto market is there, sin- there seems to be this, and, and and how do I say it? There seems to be this audience that wants to argue regulation would be great. And then another audience that's like, no, deregulate, like doesn't need to be there. What's your take on that? Oh, we need regulation. Ah, we, we okay. Do. And so I, I'm, I'm the individual who's like, hey, some regulation is needed. Okay. Uh, over-regulation is bad. And I also think that no regulation is bad. Okay. No regulation just allows bad actors to walk in and, and just, you know, pull in a China shop. Okay. And, um, and so I, I do believe regulation is good when mm-hmm. it's done the right way. Okay. And so let me give an example today in the U S 
we have the SEC that's providing like zero guidance whatsoever. <laughs> They're doing a horrible job. Specifically in the crypto the, market, right? Yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the, in the crypto space. Let yeah. me not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, and, uh, they're, they're just not. Right. And then they're also coming after exchanges, filing, not necessarily lawsuits in every case, but hey, putting them on their heels. Mm -hmm. And so that's just a great example of poor leadership, poor style. Nobody wins from this whatsoever. Ken? Agree 100%. Do you feel that that's intentional? Uh, because I have a theory about why that's happening. I think that is intentional, what you're seeing with the SEC. You know, I... I it's clearly intentional. Right. Right. And, and do I know what's driving that or who is driving that? No, I don't. But yeah, it, it's clearly intentional. I do think, you know, the, uh, the XRP case, the ripple mm -hmm. stuff, hopefully that comes out soon and all of this can be put on display for everybody so we can truly see what's going on with the SEC. It, right. it will not bode well for them. Uh, and ultimately I, I think that that's, it, it's going to be put in the light. So there's a lot of people that argue regulation isn't going to help this. I mean, you look at the banking system, it's overly regulated. It's, I mean, the pendulum swung so tight the other way now with, with uh, the administration that's in office, as well as the, the previous ones that were in office. There's, there's really, it's almost suffocating. And some will argue that's not helping over there. I mean, there's a thought process, you know, the regulation, let's take away the, the FDIC, let's take away the regulators from the FDIC and then the FDIC insurance, right? If, I, if you were a depositor and you're going to a bank, you would probably do your due diligence and really observe that bank and check out their financials and like, are they worthy having my money? But we don't do that now. We choose a bank based on proximity yeah. because we're like, oh, it's FDIC insured. Who cares? I put my money well else. You know, but the, the customer service is pretty poor across the board. It's not great. Um, and it's because it doesn't have to be. It's based on proximity, not based on service and legitimate financial records. And if things were chosen based on financial records and due diligence was done by the consumer, if they knew how to do it, um, there would be a better, there'd be a better experience for that customer. And we would probably have a lot less banks being as, um, you know, risky as they were in some of their asset allocations based on those deposits. So some argue that that's exactly where, where crypto should be right now is that the customer should be able to do their due diligence. But I think that, um, you know, I think that also is the counter argument that they should be and they're not, you know, so it's a, uh, it's often a question of, uh, how much regulation to your point. And, um, I, you know, my theory about this is that you're watching the government, our government particularly trying to get their hands on the blockchain. And, you know, we already have already seen indications of the Fed coin making its way into crypto. What is your thought on the Fed coin? And what is your thought on the government stepping in and, you know, basically decentralizing the blockchain and using it for their own benefit? Well, okay. So let's be clear. A Fed coin is different than like Fed now. Correct. Fed now is a new service being introduced by the Federal Reserve, right? And and I feel like there's a lot of people that are just like, yep, here it is. You know, <laughs> Fed now is a, is a CBDC. And you're like, no, it's not, right? Right. It's, you know, in, in, in my opinion, Fed now is a much needed service that the Federal Reserve can, can you know, help out with, okay? So in our world today, when we are working with our liquidity partners and we need to move crypto, mm -hmm. we're moving crypto, you know, throughout the day, throughout the week, on the weekend, we, we could have massive amounts of buys. And one of our liquidity partners may say, listen, we need to settle up. It's Saturday night and we need you to wire us $2 million. 
well, what am I going to do? Yeah, you can't wire it through the Fed. My, my, yeah. My, yeah, you can't. And so the Federal Reserve has two services today. Fed ACH, which we just call an ACH. Mm-hmm. You have Fed Wire, which we just call it a wire. And then they're introducing Fed Now, which allows you to use essentially those same services, but it's instantaneous. And you can run it 24 hours a day, 365. And so that's extremely helpful for businesses that are transacting on the weekend and mm-hmm. need to settle up. But that is not a central bank digital coin. Correct. Right? And so uh, will that come with time? Probably. Do I really think that that's going to be the primary way that people are going to transact? No, I, th- I think you're still going to have stable tokens. Uh, I think you're going to have other currencies. And so, you know, I I don't, you know, personally think, I, I don't get too worked up about a CBDC mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that the Fed can kind of probably see all of my transactions if they wanted to anyway. Sure. Uh, and I'll just use a different token. So, you know, am I, am I excited about or would I throw up some red flags? or stop sign if we're using China's CBDC sure. in the U.S.? Well, yes, I definitely would, right? Yes. So, boy, I, you know, I don't know. I, I could have gone off topic there, but no, is that helpful? No, it's super helpful. I mean, for me, the biggest thing I, I like to, to kind of learn from the insiders on this is that um, I think for the longest time, there was this resistance to the blockchain, its benefits from our own government, our own regulators. Now, I think it's widely being... Uh, researched and understood better to the point of adaptation is coming. And I think it's coming um, sooner than later. It doesn't mean that the paper currency itself will go away by any means, but I think it's going to be an addition to um, and and allow yeah. you to subs- subsequently not having to go to an ATM and go get that money. You'll be able to do it digitally from your phone yeah. and use it. Um, you know, we've already seen certain states where people are paying with crypto and just at their leisure. You know, there's availability to do that everywhere. So the 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 foundation is laid for that to happen. I think there's certain people slash generations that will adopt that quicker and appreciate it. Um, and then there's some that are going to resist it and be like, absolutely not. It's the government trying to control and see what I do. But to your point, they see it anyways at every every uh, potential uh, chance they can on banking systems. So, you know, there's always this, um, how can I say it, misnomer that there's so much illicit activity happening on the crypto chain. Um, yeah. It's actually probably more in the U.S. banking system than there is in the crypto markets. But did you want to speak to that briefly here? Because that's one of the biggest knocks I hear people say about the crypto market is, you know, that's where money's hiding, et cetera, et cetera. No, I, I would disagree entirely. Uh, and, you know, when people don't understand that crypto is way more traceable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, they realize pretty quick, like, if, if you were going to do illicit activity, you're going to start moving away from uh, crypto because it is so traceable. And because, they're, like, the FBI uh, and the DOJ have done an amazing job of seizing crypto on on things that happened years ago and they're able to trace it all back and let me just give you an example right so if if somebody makes a deposit somebody says hey i'm going to deposit 10 ethereum into the coinline platform we uh as it's coming in we're running that ethereum against a company called chainalysis chainalysis is is a company that uh, agencies around the world, government agencies around the world, private agencies, CoinLine use to validate and see, hey, has has these Ethereum, this Bitcoin, has it ever been 
used for illicit purposes? Has it ever hit these websites? And so, so they're tracking all that. And if it ever, if in the last like six pops has ever been touched, it gets flagged in our system, instantly your account gets frozen. Okay. Like show, show me where that's happening. If I walk into a bank with 10 grand and said it, like you can't, you can't trace a hundred dollar bill and know no. where it's been. Not like that. Um, I, you know, and, and, you know, it's something crazy, like 80 or 90% of all U S currency has traces of cocaine on it. <laughs> like help, help me understand how we really think the U S dollar is not used for illicit purposes. Oh, it, it absolutely is. So crypto is way more traceable, trackable than any other currency that we've ever had. Do you, uh, you, you kind of just described the term dirty money right there when you said that, uh, but do you, do you, uh, do you, do you believe that, um, do you believe that, that crypto is more in line with gold than per se the USD at this point? Well, I, I would, I would say maybe Bitcoin has okay. a stronger correlation has a stronger correlation to gold than it does to the U S dollar. Okay. But I can't call, I can't say that all cryptocurrencies are, have a stronger correlation to gold. Mainly Bitcoin because of the gold standard and the amount and the, the, I guess the, the, the amount of Bitcoin that will be issued happens to represent the gold standard. Um, yeah, in, in the sense that they're, the supply and demand have some similar characteristics. They're not a straight one-to-one, -one, but the idea of there's a lit, there's a limited amount of gold that gets produced every year. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a limited amount of Bitcoin that's getting created every year. And Bitcoin will eventually, once it reaches its max capacity, as far as what the code says, there will be no more distributed, correct? That is correct. So, yeah. And then in the gold world, it's like, hey, how much did we mine this year? Mm -hmm. it, and, you know, honestly, in my mind, that's probably still controlled by man, though. It's humans that sure. are like, hey, how much do we want to mine? Ah, we're going to slow it down. We're going to decrease production, which makes it more expensive and then we'll go back and mine more next year when the price goes out like I, that can be monkeyed with whereas bitcoin can't it's algorithmically built in you can't change it there's nobody who can who can mess with it yo thank you so much for choosing us today we're definitely not done with our podcast but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show i've been in the lending business for 20 years i've seen many different lenders during those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com. Because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. So there's a lot of people yep. that believe that this is just, this is imaginary money. This is, or imaginary, you know, thing that's, it's a Fagazi. There's, there's yeah. nothing there because they can't touch it. Right. And they don't understand probably the cold storage yeah. aspect of that. They're just seeing the exchanges. What do you, what do you say to people that think this is, this is just on the verge of collapsing. This is, uh, this is, this is make believe. What's your rebuttal to that? 
well, I, I, some days I think the U.S. dollar is on the on the brink of collapse, right? <laughs> like, so it's like, uh, like what in our world do we truly have any level of control over? If I go on to, you know, if it's something I, I hold in my hand, okay, well, I'm going to go buy gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, well, hang on. Am I going to buy gold that I hold in my hand? Like, because oftentimes you're buying gold on the NASDAQ or whatever, you know, market you're going to choose from globally, right? Right, as an ETF. Yep. But they don't send it in the mail, right? Mm-hmm. And so you usually have this certificate, right? Well, now you've got a certificate in your hand. Well, what's that worth? Where's where's really the gold? And so there's a lot of things in our, our world that we, we don't get our hands on. Our, uh, my Delta Sky Mile, <laughs> and those are very real. Why Why do I know that? Because I've cashed in miles to fly to London or Turks and Caicos and like very real. Can I hold those in my hand? No. Can I take those to the grocery store and buy my groceries? Well, no, I can't. But in this capacity, they're very real. Mm-hmm. And so we live that out every day. It, and it's interesting because the humans will make an argument against something such as crypto while we go and use our Delta SkyMile points or our yeah. credit card points. That's a, that's um, a great point. And we, we say like, I, I never want to live in a digital currency world as we Venmo our kids money, <laughs> right? Right. Or I never do anything where the government can see that. Oh, you, you think the government can't seize your bank account and just literally shut it down? Oh, absolutely can't. They, they do it every day of the year. Matter seconds. But they we get all it. freaked out about, you know, Bitcoin where they might be able to trace that you're going to the grocery store to buy some banana. Mm-hmm. So that's a great analogy. I love how you said that because I think that um, it, 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 that's a great point because I think we do psych ourselves out um, based yeah. on, you know, what other people may kind of infiltrate our thought process with, but that's a reality. You know, I've often argued the Venmo, the Apple Pay, PayPal, et cetera, doesn't matter what it is. That's just an electronic yep. payment. It's the exact same thing you're doing right. with, <laughs> it's just not called Bitcoin, Ethereum, the list goes on. Yeah, but you're just doing it right there. Yeah. Uh, and there. And there's a platform that's that's operating on too. There's a conversion that's taking place for all that to happen. So people don't realize they've been doing this for quite some time, but they're very scared by crypto and the unregulated portion kind of leads to some of the fear mongering that comes with it there. Um, let me, let me kind of lead with this one here. I think this is interesting. Why did it, how did FTX happen under the nose of so many people? Like, how does that, how does that take place? How does no one in the course of the time period, let's say 18 months, notice what's going on over there and not either a speak up or not be caught by, you know, um, some sort of outside source. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that were going on there. Like when I read, you know, everything I can, it, it seems as though it was a frat house, um, you know, running this business. And no offense to the frat houses, but yeah, no, I'm with you. you I, you're you're living life to its fullest, uh, you, but you ha- you're not buttoning up all of the things that need to be buttoned up. You don't have all of the processes and policies in place that you need to. And so you're having fun, you're cutting corners. You're like, listen, like this is just straight up and to the right. Like mm-hmm. we're just going to keep winning and keep winning and keep winning. And then, and, and this is where I think greed, like build things bigger, get as rich as possible. And when you don't say, all right, hang on, how do I prepare for that rainy day? Mm-hmm. What happens with our current strategy when the market goes sideways or when one of these or two of these tokens 
goes completely belly up and we've leveraged a lot of assets against it. Like when you don't prepare for that, man, you're going to get, you're going to get painted into a corner and be in a really bad spot, which is exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, and so there's a combination of things that happened there. The market tanked. Uh, I think that they, they did get, you know, bit by the Terra Luna crash as well. And then you look at their internal policies, procedures, and how they leverage people's money and just the, like, just the absolute poor decisions to do stuff. I mean, it, it all came crumbling down. Yeah, I know. I think you described it real well that there was a, there was a non-business sense running the ship over there and that greed took over and, you know, kind of really diversifying their risk and analyzing that, hey, this could go down as quick as it went up as opposed to just running full speed at up the entire time. Yeah. And, you know, I, so I, you know, the FTX crew and the Alameda crew, like they should be held accountable for their absolute poor decision. I'm also kind of baffled by the individuals that would wire money, right? Hey, I'm going to wire some money to FTX. Okay. So wait, hang on a second. You want me to send it to a different entity called Alameda research? Correct. I, I'm going to send you a million dollars or $10 million or whatever that number is. And I'm just going to like put somebody else's name on that and not do a bunch of research. There was a lot of individuals that just went in blind with those wire transfers. Right. And maybe they were lied to, you know, I don't know, but anytime somebody asked me to wire some funds and the name on the account is going to be different. Yeah. That's an instant, like, well, hang on here. I need to do some research on this first. Yeah. No, I agree. But, now, do you think maybe because of some of the big names that were tied to FTX, it kind of got overlooked or endorsed or just maybe, okay, yeah, this is what it is. They're doing it. I mean, I'm okay with it. If, and that's where like as humans and consumers, we, we go into some of these things blind. We're like, oh, it's fine. You know, Tom Brady's behind this thing or insert whoever. Right. Um, uh, it, it, and it is interesting how greed on the consumer side too is like, Hey, I, I just want to get in. Like everybody's crushing it here. I'm sure it's fine. Um, if we don't pause, do the research we need to, it, it's a little bit like some of the banks you talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Silicon Valley bank going to be a great, you know, uh, case study for how many people just kind of kept putting money into a single bank that is so like focused on one niche market. If that niche goes sideways, man, that bank's in trouble. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, I, I take a look at, this is, this is something that I find kind of gets lost in the dark here, but FTX's collapse doesn't even scratch the surface of SVB, Signature Bank, and First Republic. Like, it doesn't even come close. I mean, those are the two, three, four largest bank collapses in the history yeah. of the United States. So, um, you know, I, I offer all of this uh, woes of the financial markets because I want to come full circle here. Coin line. Yep. This is why I love what you guys, this is why I, when I found out you were going to be on the show, I was like, wait a minute. Like, I have never seen something where you have, let's call it financial advisors, you know, for, for better lack of term for our audience, who have trading experience but also have reputable experience tied with um, stop losses. That's the biggest thing I saw there is that there's stop losses and you yep. have the ability to run that 365. Whereas these other companies are like, hey, you 
Quentin, you're your own stop loss. Oh, and by the way, you have to sleep. So some things may go on while you're sleeping. And I don't know how you're going to stop loss that. And, and so I, I love this that you have. Plus, you offer someone brand new how to get into multiple sectors without having to really kill themselves researching what's great or worse yet, taking someone else's advice to, to do their own trades. No, I, I appreciate you bringing that all around. So we just talked about all the bad characters, the mm -hmm. bad actors in both banking as well as in crypto. And so it's like, okay, well, what is CoinLion doing differently? Well, we're building a business like not based on speed. Okay. So go back to the, the my last company. It took me, tw it took two decades, 20 years to build. And every year I thought I would hear this story of some healthcare tech company that blew up overnight mm -hmm. to worth a billion dollars. Now I'm going to get left behind. And what I realized is no, okay, in crypto or in healthcare tech, whatever the sector is, okay, build value, take your time, do it right. Love and it. I did that. And I built an amazing company that I'm super proud of and I'm, I'm doing it again. And so with CoinLion, are we just exploding overnight in growth? Nope, we're not. Am I focused on just building the business, like all of the pillars in place that we need to have for growth? Oh, absolutely. I look at how we verify users and do a KYC process uh, to make sure we just keep all of the bad characters off. Mm -hmm. we, we're doing it the right way. Um, it, and so the same thing goes with tokens. Like how many tokens are on the platform? What? It's not hundreds. Okay. And the reason is there's a lot of just crap tokens out there. Mm -hmm. I don't know your audience, but you know, I try to keep it family friendly. <laughs> They're called shit tokens for a reason. <laughs> That's correct. And so like, we just don't have those on the platform. And, and, and so if you're looking for that, there's all kinds of platforms that can have that. We're looking to create stability so that your average person that's got 25 to a hundred thousand dollars of liquid capital they can put it here and be like, I don't have to worry about this being a craft token. Yeah. And and for our audience, I really want to break down. These are called stable tokens. And then you have alternative alt tokens. And then you have the crap tokens that you're referring to. And these crap tokens, think of for our audience, if you saw the movie Wolf of Wall Street, these would be your pink sheet tokens. That's what he's talking about here. Your pink yeah. sheet tokens that have a huge rip, a huge commission, a huge upside, but really it's more of a downside. And the only person making money is the person selling it to you. Yeah, correct. And then, and then once you get on the platform and you're dealing with what I call our, you know, the, the, the 10 biggest, most popular tokens, we do have stop losses where we're trying to create some downside protection there. Uh, very real, very needed. Uh, and you know, for what it's worth, we didn't have those implemented in our early days and we didn't have it implemented the right way. Mm. So this has been one of our, our learning processes. And again, when you, when you have a slower growth process, you're kind of chipping away at that stuff. It leaves you in a really good spot as you build a solid company. What do you um, What do you say to the people that are all about cold storage right now? They just that's where they've taken them off the exchanges. They're putting them on the side, and this is this. They, they think that's the end all be all. Because I, I love what you're doing here. Because I've been observing crypto from afar now uh, on the sidelines, and I see these eight nine percent swings. That could be, I mean, I almost wish I could time them because if you compound that, my goodness, that's a great return on investment. And I'm watching it happen in this stable coin, stable coin market. You know, I, um, there are some individuals that can totally work with cold storage and that's their, you know, they're going to be fine. They're not going to lose any of their info, but there is risk. There's significant risk with some of the cold storage. Uh, Ledger, and I, I haven't chased this down, but Ledger 
yesterday, supposedly they've got some backdoor exploit, some way for uh, essentially, you know, a spot you don't want to be in, something they've claimed for literally years, you know, and then all of a sudden, hang on here, the story just changed. And so I, there is a there is some uncertainty today mm-hmm. on cold storage that you thought was like ridiculously secure. What we have is individuals who are like, hey, I forgot my password. I replaced, you know, I can't find stuff all the time. Right. And you help me restore stuff. And that's where a centralized, you know, uh, company and exchange like CoinLion is really helpful. You can call us up. We're going to verify your selfie. Your selfie is going to match that, you know, who registered. And then we're going to reset your password. Like it's, it's really simple. Um, and so, and when we have all of our stuff sitting in a cold storage, uh, we've got an amazing backend technology partner. Okay. So we didn't have to create this. We were using one of the best platforms um, in the crypto space. It's called Fireblocks. That's okay. our backend wallet system. Phenomenal. Like when we've got that, like we're set. You don't have to worry about that. Don't worry about an offline wallet, all that. I think this is this is huge. And for people that are in crypto, you understand everything he's saying. For those of you that are thinking about this, uh, this is th- the stuff that Eric, you're sharing with us right now, I think is just so valuable because, you know, I I get asked all the time, what do you recommend? What do you recommend? And I, I used to use a competitor. I'd say, go here and here's why. The only down, and I would follow it with, the only downside is you're not going to get anybody on the phone. They don't answer the phone. Yeah. You yep. just, I mean, the fact that you're like, we will answer the phone. We can help with these things. That is huge because that doesn't happen in this space. And having that personal touch, I also think provides a security blanket to the audience and to people as well to know that there's someone they can talk to and there's some level of accountability there. And uh, again, I just, I, hats off on this platform. I think it's a really great one. I'm, I'm excited for you guys. And as soon as we get done here, I'm going to do a, a early audio release of this to my crypto circle of friends. And I'm like, hey, check this out because I know you guys aren't using this platform yet. And I, it's exciting. I think you got something really good going on there. How can our audience learn more about CoinLine? By the way, the, the verification process, I researched that. You guys have the easy verification process of Binance, Coinbase. I mean, you name it, it's Phoenix. It's so much easier than all of those. I mean, it was, it, it was really well done. Appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, coinlion.com is going to be the best place to go to, um, kind of learn about it. It's really easy to create an account, uh, and you can create an account and kind of poke around before you make a deposit. Um, and so feel free to do that. If you wanted to make a deposit and then make a withdrawal to be like, Hey, can I actually get my money out? <laughs> We've seen that because people are a little sketchy these days. They're like, okay, can I put in like what one eat and get that back out? Yeah. You can certainly do, you know, those kinds of, you know, validation before you start playing testing of the systems. Everybody seems yeah. to be testing the boundaries there. Well, Eric, I tell you what, so for our audience, what what piece of advice can you offer today for someone that's A, currently in the crypto market, and then a new user that's, they're, they're kind of leery, but they want to test it. What would be your advice to those two users? Well, so first off, obviously create an account on our platform. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I would I would tell people, take take an approach where you buy and hold some crypto. Look for when the market moves down, get in when it's down. That's the hard part is like, man, I, I want to see it recover. So then people buy in at the high versus the low. Go create an account today. Go buy a little bit of Ethereum or some Bitcoin and then put some into an auto trader. So like I personally do both. I've got Bitcoin that I'm going to sit on and hold forever. And then I, I have my account 
where I'm actually trading on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So I, I would encourage people to do both. Yeah. I think that that's a, I love those two. You just recommended Bitcoin and Ethereum. Like them both, believe in both of them. Uh, yep. Great, great thing. And I, again, I mean, I'm going to go to CoinLine and start an account as well. Uh, I'm again, very impressed. I can't recommend it enough. Um, you know, and just uh, again, hats off. Fantastic job. And, and I want to end with something you said earlier, because I wrote it down as fast as you said it. When you're operating a business, it doesn't matter if it's a crypto exchange, it doesn't matter if it's a real estate platform, it doesn't matter if it's an investment platform, a business. You said, build value, take your time, and do it right. That was clutch. Definitely loved it. Quote of the day. Thank you so much for your time. Guys, if you like what you're listening here, subscribe to our YouTube channel, five-star review the podcast, share it. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear your feedback. This is how we develop episodes like this. Eric, thank you so much for your time today. It was an honor having you on the show today. Thanks, Quentin. Absolutely. I got one more shot, I'm going to make it. One more chance, I'm going to take it. I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah.